Hello and welcome back to Benaya, Mighty Man of God by P. H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 15. Now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. 2 Samuel 3.6 The common room trembled with excitement when David was told that Abner and twenty of his men had requested an audience with him. David already knew what this meeting concerned, as Abner had sent messages beforehand, saying, It's well known that the land of Israel is now yours to rule. Make a formal agreement with me, and I'll use my influence to bring the rest of Israel under your leadership as well. Although Israel consisted of twelve tribes, they seemed to distance themselves. The ten tribes in the north referred to themselves as Israel, while Judah and Benjamin in the south seemed to band together. Would Abner really switch sides and now support David, or was it a trick? Saul's only surviving legitimate son, Ishbosheth, had given no indication that he would step down from the throne of Israel to make way for David. Benaiah wondered what Abner's motivation could be. At present, Ishbosheth wasn't much more than a puppet king, while Abner, in control of the military, was the actual leader of Israel. He had installed Ishbosheth to power transferring his support and allegiance to him rather than David immediately after Saul died. It made no sense for Abner to forsake that kind of power. What could he hope to gain? Did he expect to be the general over the territories now ruled by David as well? That must be it. But how would David's ambitious general Joab feel about that? Benaiah was determined to be more vigilant in his protection of David. He respected Abner as a valiant warrior but was wary of him because of his unwavering loyalty to the house of Saul in the past. General Joab wasn't present when Abner met with David. Although Joab didn't seem to harbor ill feelings toward Abner for the recent murder of his brother Azahel, Benaiah still wondered. Joab didn't seem to be the forgiving sort, if Benaiah knew the man at all. It was prudent to be as wary of Joab as he was of Abner. He was ambitious and wily. Abner arrived with his men and some representatives from Israel. The men were divested of their swords before they entered the common room, and Benaiah also ensured that there were three times as many guards on duty. Abner had brought with him Saul's daughter, Michal, David's first wife. Saul had married her off to another man, even though she and David hadn't been divorced, to hurt David when he was on the run. Now she was being returned as a sign of goodwill on Abner's part, for the covenant to which David had agreed included Michal's return. David's message in response to Abner had read, I will make a formal agreement with you, as you suggested, on one condition. I will not meet with you in person unless you bring Saul's daughter, Michal, when you return. It was now reported to David that she had come, but she didn't enter with Abner. She was taken directly to the court of the women. Benaiah wondered how David's first wife, a daughter of a king, would feel about being lumped into a community of wives and concubines and children, all vying for the king's attention and favor. Benaiah also couldn't figure out David's request to get his wife back. Surely it was, a politi it was political to demonstrate his power over the house of Saul, especially since he had demanded it of Ishbosheth, who obviously didn't have enough strength to refuse David. He may have loved Michal at the beginning, and would have remained true to her. Yet, now that she had lived with another man as his wife, it wouldn't have been right for David to take her back as a wife in every sense. 
or would that even apply since the marriage had been involuntary? Benaiah would have to ask Abiathar the priest how complicated these royal marriages were. Benaiah heard that Michal's new husband, Paltiel, was heartbroken at having her torn from his side. He followed her along the way, weeping behind her. Abner finally had to be harsh with him and send him back home. How willingly had Michal returned to David? Did she still love him, or had she already transferred her affections to her new husband? Would she resent David's other wives? Ultimately, her feelings were of no concern. Women, even king's daughters, were still traded between kingdoms as kings saw fit. Benaiah was suddenly very happy to be a lowly guard and soldier, with only one wife with whom to concern himself. He couldn't imagine Mariah being forced to marry someone she didn't love. An arranged marriage was so much better if there was mutual affection. Abner bowed low when he approached David, my lord. Benaiah shifted his hand to the hilt of his sword as he gave a look of challenge to Abner, best to remind him to stay in line. While Benaiah decided to withhold his judgment of whether the man could be trusted until he had heard what he had to say, he would still be on guard. David's safety was his prime concern. Following the formalities of treaties and covenants, David invited Abner and the elders of Israel to a feast. It was there that David asked Abner the reason he chose not to support Ishbosheth any longer. Abner, you've been faithful to Ishbosheth for two years, as you have been faithful to his father Saul. All these years we've been enemies. Why come to me, and why come to me now? Abner signaled for his wine goblet to be refilled. Benaiah saw Joab's men lean closer to hear Abner's response. Do you recall a concubine of Saul's named Rizpah? Abner asked David. What did a royal concubine have to do with political loyalties? Benaiah didn't understand. Though hearing the same name of his little sister, now a married woman, caused Benaiah to pause. He wouldn't wish that life on his sister. He couldn't imagine it would be an honor to be a concubine, even of a good king like David. They didn't have the status of a wife, had no marriage contract and no dowry. But even though the patriarchs had concubines and his king David, whom he admired and respected, kept them, Benaiah knew that it was not God's intent. No, for his part, he was happy with the wife so perfectly suited to him. In Hebron, Moriah had given birth to their second son, whom they named Jehoiada after his father, and a daughter, Metal, which meant dewdrop. Benaiah turned his attention back to the conversation between David and Abner. David tilted his head to the side and thought, The name sounds familiar. Yes, I think I remember her appearance. Benaiah surmised David probably thought it best not to comment about her appearance one way or another. Rizba became mine, Abner said. He let David consider this for a moment. They would be living together without being married. But more than that, David would understand what it meant politically to take the concubine of a king. Even if Ishbosheth would not have used her in that way, since she had been his father's concubine, it would be seen as an attempt at the throne. There may or may not have been feelings towards the woman, but Ishbosheth apparently felt threatened by the news and challenged Abner. He asked me, What makes you think you can take one of my father's concubines as your own? He was mad, I tell you, just like his father. He thought I wanted his throne. Abner huffed. I have no such aspirations. I just wanted the woman, and I know she wanted me too. For years I've seen the way she looked at me. But I was offended that he thought so little of me. 
I asked him, Am I so insignificant and loathsome to you? I have remained loyal to your father Saul, and to his relatives and associates, and to you as well, since you are the rightful heir. I haven't handed you over to David, which I could easily have done, I might have added, and you dare to find fault with me over an insignificant matter like this woman? I was furious. He didn't appreciate that the only reason he was ruling in any capacity was solely due to me and my support. How did he respond to that? David asked. Abner laughed. He seemed to shrink in his throne before my eyes. I said, I swear by God that I will help transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul to the house of David and set up the throne of David over the entire country of Israel and Judah, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, for God has sworn this to him. Then what more could he say? I knew he feared me. He knew I could do it, and there was not a thing he could do about it. I left right away, taking Rizpah with me, by the way, and met with the elders of Israel. They all agreed it was finally time for you to be the king over all Israel. They agreed, acknowledging that in the past, even when Saul was king, David was really the one who led Israel. They were also aware of God's promise that David would one day be the shepherd and ruler of God's people. Benaiah smiled inwardly. He truly hoped Abner was sincere. There had been a few years of instability since Saul died. It would be wonderful to have this country ruled by one king, and that king should be David. Could the day finally have arrived? David clasped Abner on the shoulder. May the Lord make it as you have said, my friend. Abner stood to leave and promised, I'll go back to gather the elders of Israel, then we'll return and make a formal agreement with you to make your reign official. Go in peace, David said. Benaiah was in the guardhouse when Joab and David's servants returned with much spoil. Abner had already left Hebron in peace to make arrangements for David to take control of the whole country. Some of the men were dividing the spoil while others were oiling their leather shields or salting their helmets. When a man, Benaiah remembered seeing at the feast, told Joab, You missed seeing your counterpart, General. Oh, who would that be? Joab asked wryly. General Abner, son of Ner, came and enjoyed a sumptuous feast. The soldier dropped the news and stepped back, almost as if he knew what Joab's response would be. What? Joab seized. Abner said he defected from Ishbosheth over some woman. He came to the king to inform him that he would help transfer power to David. The king was pleased and sent him away to make it so. Joab pressed his lips together and snorted through his nostrils. Through clenched teeth he said, I'll bet David plans to make him head of the whole army as his reward. He didn't promise anything like that, but he did seem to trust Abner. What do you think? Abishai asked his brother. What do I think? What do I think? Joab spat out. I think Abner can't help but be loyal to the house of Saul. He is spying on our weaknesses so that he and that puppet boy of a king can rule the whole country. That's what I think. Why would he do that when he this way... There is a unified country with no more bloodshed between brothers, Benaiah asked him. Joab's face reddened. You know nothing, he shouted and then stomped off. Benaiah followed Joab. He would have liked nothing more than to go home to his wife instead, but Joab was obviously headed to see David. As much as Benaiah knew David was well guarded in his absence, there were times when he didn't trust volatile General Joab, even if he was David's nephew. Joab hardly waited to be announced before he marched up to David. He made some semblance at bowing, then launched his attack on David. 
What have you done? he demanded. David raised his eyebrows at Joab's disrespectful tone. What does your question concern, nephew? You know, Abner came to you, and you sent him away in peace, and he's already long gone. Yes, he was here. What of it? David said. Surely you must realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came here to deceive you. He was just spying out your weaknesses. He has no intention of actually handing the kingdom over to you. His loyalties will always be to the house of Saul. David tilted his head and looked at Joab with what looked like pity. Joab, he said gently, is it so strange to you that Yahweh would soften a man's heart and order all these events to finally make me king over all Israel as he promised? Joab had no answer, for David to be king over the whole country was something they had talked about for years. It was entirely possible that it was finally happening. But Joab didn't seem to like that it was Abner and not himself who would get the credit for it. Joab stormed out of the room, barely bowing again. Keep listening for chapter 16.